The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I believe He lived and died, and that He rose again. I believe and trust in Him. Ascended into hell, Christ our living head will one day come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe and trust in Him. I will trust in my Redeemer, sing of His love. That lasts forever Though His hope and sure salvation I will trust in Him Though the world falls around me I rest and know that He has found me Christ the rock is my Welcome all to Pastor Yeshua. You've been listening to Creed by Richard Jensen from his album, Order of Service. By way of introduction, pastor is an acrostic which stands for preaching all salvation through one Redeemer. Our Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English transliteration for Jesus is Jesus. This program deals with apologetics, questions on and about God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. I take questions and seek by Scripture to give answers and encouragement for everyone, including the tough-minded living in today's skeptical society. And now, let's join Pastor Yeshua. Welcome to Pastor Yeshua. In this episode series, we are asking and discussing questions regarding a media campaign called He Gets Us. As with all issues which present themselves as subjects which present Jesus, the Bible, God, or Christianity, we defer to examining such claims against the Bible using proper exegetical and hermeneutical principles, as well as Berean discernment. Let's jump right in and continue where we left off. Our next video is entitled, How Would Jesus Be Judged Today? Alternately entitled, The Rebel. The video description reads as follows, quote, we were musing about how Jesus and his disciples were viewed in his day. If the authorities or religious leaders saw them walking down the street or hanging out on the corner, what would they have thought of them? It suddenly hit us. 
they would have been seen as troublemakers. And Jesus was their ringleader, unquote. Okay, stop the press. There's not a single instance anywhere in any gospel account where Jesus and or his disciples were simply walking down the street or hanging out on a corner when another person or group of persons singled them out and identified them as quote-unquote troublemakers simply for doing these things alone. Labels of a disparaging nature towards Jesus and or his disciples came after Jesus and or his disciples made specific statements and exhibited specific behaviors which could be viewed and examined by those around them. Now, regarding the statements and behaviors of Jesus and his disciples, in the case of disciples, and Jesus in particular, his statements and behaviors were in keeping with the spirit and the letter of God's law because he was God. In any instances where a disciple failed, Jesus lovingly rebuked them. So when others witnessed what Jesus and or his disciples said or did, the judgments others made either confirmed the actions and statements as factually accurate, good, and righteous according to the truth of God's word, or they condemned the actions and statements in some disparaging way. But let me be very clear. The reason Jesus and his disciples did what they did, the reason that the Gospels were written, was not to highlight or expose some social injustice which was going on. The good news of the Gospel was not some project to reveal racial injustice, stereotypes, or prejudice. The purpose of Jesus and his disciples and the four Gospels was and is to reveal Jesus as the Messiah, as Emmanuel, I God with us, to document his propitiatory sacrifice for sin, his crucifixion, death, and resurrection, as well as his eventual return as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, no, Jesus was not a quote-unquote ringleader. A ringleader is defined as, quote, a person who initiates or leads an illicit or illegal activity, unquote. Contrary to this heretical lie, Jesus states in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, quote, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill, unquote. The video description then continues, quote, Matthew, one of his followers, was a Jew who formerly collected taxes for the Romans. In essence, 
he was seen as a low-life traitor. Some disciples violently opposed Herod the king. Others were seen as uneducated dropouts, unquote. Whoa, wait, hold up. Can, can we get a fact check here? Yeah, exactly. Except for Judas Iscariot, who is a failed disciple, there is no record anywhere in Scripture of any disciple who committed a quote-unquote violent act in opposition to Herod the king. I'm so sorry. In fact, while we know that Judas Iscariot was a zealot, a group who were known to use violence, there is no record of even Judas Iscariot using violence against King Herod. Second, there's no historical or biblical record of any of the disciples quote-unquote dropping out of school. Some were more educated than others, but there was no compulsory education in the first century, and therefore there was no such thing as a quote-unquote dropout. Skipping down, we read, quote, Jesus didn't judge others by their looks. He looked at their hearts. That meant reaching out to people who were outside his circle or society's mainstream to get to know them individually. He was criticized, even mocked for doing so, but he didn't care because he loved all, even if it meant he would be wrongly judged for the friends he made and the company he kept, unquote. Okay, yes, you're right. Jesus didn't judge others by their quote-unquote looks. He looked at their hearts. Uh, then, because he's God, he sees the reality that according to Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10, quote, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways, and according to the fruit of his doings, unquote. Oops, that's judgment. Jesus, who is God, judges and knows that our nature is sin and rebellion? Oh, wow, we've all sinned? Yeah, this is what Jesus knows when he individually looks at each person throughout history. Continuing, quote, He was criticized, even mocked for doing so, but he didn't care because he loved all, even if it meant he would be wrongly judged for the friends he made and the company he kept, unquote. Well, he didn't care because Jesus is God, and God is not interested in what the clay has to say to the potter. God is the one defining good and evil, not the clay. Anyway, at this point, I gave up on the description, since by their own admission, they had created and designed the video to purposely elicit emotions and opinions which they could then use to condemn everyone for having, despite the fact that that was their goal. Arguably, this video and the dialogue which accompanies it are the most inaccurate and self-serving mockery of scripture and of historic Christianity, which has ever festered itself onto the air. 
Here again, we have a black and white video lasting about a minute. And in the video, the dialogue script goes as follows. Quote, a rebel took to the streets. He recruited others to join him. They quit their jobs, left their families, and swore allegiance to him. They roamed the hood, challenged authority, and made a lot of people uneasy. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders abhorred them. Law enforcement labeled them as outlaws. We have to shut them down, they said. Get them off the streets. Protect our communities from these troublemakers, unquote. Well, okay, let's cut to the chase here and illuminate the pure blasphemy and heresy that is presented here. Clearly, whatever quote-unquote rebels who have taken to our streets are in their blind eyes somehow to be compared to Jesus and his followers. Well, first of all, a rebel is defined as, quote, a person who rises in opposition or armed resistance against an established government or ruler, unquote. For, well, first of all, Jesus is not simply, quote-unquote, a person. Jesus is God. Jesus as God is the author and ultimate authority of everything. This being the case, it is only possible that a man attempts to rebel against Jesus' authority. When Jesus speaks and acts, he is not rebelling against authority. He is correctly and authoritatively establishing or condemning others who he has given authority, which is subordinate to his authority. Further, Jesus never, quote-unquote, recruits anyone. Jesus calls those who are his elect, and his elect remain his followers. Recruits can be paid. They can be half-hearted, and they can quit. Neither Jesus nor any of his disciples, quote-unquote, roamed the hood. Jesus and his disciples purposely traveled throughout the Middle East area for the specific purpose of spreading the gospel and glorifying God. Quote-unquote, roaming is defined as, quote, moving about aimlessly or unsystematically, especially over a wide area, unquote. A quote-unquote hood is a slang term defined classically as, quote, an urban neighborhood inhabited predominantly by African Americans of low socioeconomic status, unquote. I'm just sorry, but that is not only heretical, but that is the height of insult. Finally, you say they, quote, challenged authority and made a lot of people uneasy. Community leaders feared them. Religious leaders abhorred them. Law enforcement labeled them as outlaws. We have to shut them down, they said. Get them off the streets. Protect our communities from these troublemakers, unquote. Can we please stop being disingenuous and deceitful? The quote-unquote 
uneasiness, abhorrence, and the labeling as outlaws, the desire to shut them down, get them off the streets, and protect our communities. The vast majority of these desires and positions have historically been as a result of actual and historical people of various genders, race, and ethnicities who were involved in real crimes and or real victimization of other people. So, yes, crime and violence cause uneasiness. They cause abhorrence of those who willfully perpetrate it, and those who do so willfully and routinely are justifiably called outlaws. Yes, those that do those things need to be shut down, and rightly so. And we do need to get anyone in this group who do these kind of things off the street to protect our community from them. But let's also be clear that Jesus was not in a gang. Jesus was not victimizing any people or town in the way criminals do. The judgment Jesus received from non-believers was wrong. But it is not the same thing as any person or persons receiving judgment from others as a result of visible crimes which they commit for their own greed, group, or self-agenda using violence or intimidation of others. If you want to say that there are those who get stereotyped, who are misjudged, who are unjustly accused, who are victims of prejudice, racism, etc., then go ahead. I, I, in fact, agree. There are. But that is because there is sin in the world. And the solution is that for those that know Christ, their nature of sin will be dealt with as they are conformed to the image and nature of Christ. In conclusion... This video and its description are a heretical and sophomoric attempt to take Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection, which is about God reconciling sinful man to himself, and to replace this eternal and beautiful story with the average story of any fallen man and a social justice warrior and community activist march and demonstration where everything is about the finite issues of race, gender, economic equality, and an ultimately secular socialist society where at best Jesus is a heroic philosopher and sage and at worst, he's a mere man with great ideas about equality, but unfortunate delusions about being God. Next up, we have a video entitled, Did Jesus Struggle to Be a Role Model? In addition to the above title, we have this from the video description. Quote, it is apparent to us that Jesus set a high bar for himself and for others. He taught things such as love your enemies, forgive those who intentionally wronged you, and don't judge others. Well, after careful consideration of the above from He Gets Us, and then application of an actual, proper, biblical, theological, world and life view, 
the most generous response that could be given is this. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. You say, that's really harsh. No, that's accurate. To answer the idiotic question, quote, did Jesus struggle to be a role model, unquote, the answer is no. God does not, quote unquote, struggle with anything. Neither Jesus nor God are attempting to be a, quote unquote, role model. For God to set himself up as a, quote unquote, role model would be a fool's errand because no matter how hard and how long any of us work, we will never, ever, ever come close to being like God. In fact, the last person and the first person to suggest that we even try was, mm, let me think, oh, that's right, Satan in the garden when he suggested that we could be like God by knowing good and evil. No, Jesus did not come to, quote, set a bar, unquote. Jesus came to fulfill and complete all righteousness necessary to pass the bar and to please God the Father. But this is only possible for those who recognize, confess, and follow Jesus as God, not some rock star, sports legend, role model human Finally, in the above claim, he gets us, states that Jesus commands that Christians, quote, don't judge others, unquote. However, the truth is that this is a classic, out-of-context verse with an idea that is flatly incorrect. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, Jesus says, quote, judge not that ye be not judged, unquote. However, his statement continues in verse 2, saying, quote, For with what judgment ye, are, ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again, unquote. In John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, quote, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment, unquote. So Jesus' point here in context is that we should never isolate any single verse and build an out-of-context theory. Placed into the totality of context, we see that in order for God's church to do its job of being salt and light, to use discernment, and to avoid the everyday temptations of Satan, the flesh, and the world, it is not only necessary, but required that every Christian make judgments about the world around us. As long as we use God's word in context to make our judgments in keeping with those things which God has already made declaration about, then we are in agreement with God 
and there would be no reason for God to be displeased. It is also clear that when we proceed to make judgments, that we first judge ourselves by the same standard and make repentance where applicable. If, in fact, we do this sincerely, motivated by love and the desire for reconciliation of others in sin, then the judgments we make are part of the method which God uses to either convict and or convert people who are in sin. The video description continues saying, quote, Ultimately, when he was being crucified, he didn't condemn his accusers or executioners. He forgave them, unquote. I hate to break it to you, but when Jesus said, quote, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, unquote, he was not talking to the entire world throughout history. He was not talking to every single one of his accusers and or executioners. Jesus was talking to and forgiving those throughout history exclusively who would, by God's grace and calling, come to a saving knowledge of and relationship with him. If Jesus was forgiving everyone, both then and now, everywhere, for everything and anything, regardless, then guess what? Nobody would be going to hell, and everybody would be going to heaven, and there would be no differentiating. The only way that works where Jesus is forgiving everybody results in universalism, where everyone who ever lived is forgiven, as I said, and everyone is going to heaven regardless of whether they know, love, hate, or deny Jesus. For those who deny, rebel against, or refuse to worship Jesus as, as God, the fact of the matter is that they remain under the curse of sin, and they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Finally, the video description ends saying, quote, It's tough enough to always set the right example for our kids or friends or neighbors. Fortunately, there are many people trying hard and doing a great job at it. We try to celebrate all those who are striving to pass the good on to others, to recognize the joy of being a positive role model, all the while acknowledging the challenge and struggle it is to always be on your best behavior, unquote. All right, well, let's, with all seriousness, give applause to all the people out there that are struggling, striving, and working their hardest to be good examples and be on their best behavior and so forth. Good job. Well done. Keep up the good work. No, no, really, seriously. Uh, but there is just one thing. All of the above issues are the measures of good citizenship and civics. Nobody is arguing that we should not strive for an abundance of all of them. But none of them have anything to do with obtaining salvation.
none of them is the main reason that God became man in the person of Jesus. Jesus did not come here on earth to cheerlead and set a good example or be a motivational speaker so that we could all aspire to be like him. And that's the point. If it were possible to be like God, then this means that we could do so because it's possible. But the reason Jesus, who is God, came is because it is not possible, even with his example. This is the message of Jesus' finished work on the cross. Jesus came to earth and lived the perfect life, which is satisfactory to God, that none of us can ever imitate or even come close to. Our best effort is a failure. Once Jesus completed a perfect and righteous life, he died in our place because of our sin. For those who by God's grace place their faith in Jesus' completed work, we have his righteousness imputed to our account. So God sees Jesus' works, not ours. In conclusion, the 16-second video has some nostalgic and cute photos of various kids attempting to uh, imitate their parents, which is also the point of the description as well. But the authors here again totally miss the point and wind up potentially confusing and misleading unwary people into falling prey to placing their faith in a work-based salvation, thinking that we, any of us, can achieve salvation and or get into heaven based upon slightly tipping our scorecard and scale to the positive side with our best behavior, or at least simply doing the best we can. But salvation is by grace alone, by faith alone, through Christ alone. Next up we have, Did Jesus Ever Mourn? or The Physician. Here, in this one minute long video, along with the video description, the goal by He Gets Us is blatantly to evoke the emotion of sadness and loss. Well, admittedly, on a purely humanistic level, they succeeded and achieved their goal. But, frankly, looking at this video and description, all the loss and sadness portrayed in it is eclipsed and dwarfed by the sadness and impotence one experiences when one views the video through correct theology and proper discernment of who Jesus really is. Moreover, here there are no sound effects because the use of people's grief and tragedy used as a prop in order to set up the stage for a false humanistic Jesus, is this simply reprehensible? In order to explain, let's examine the scripted dialogue from the video. Quote, a young mother had a son. 
a kind-hearted boy who always tried to do what is right. As he grew older, he worried about others more than himself. Whenever he saw someone suffering, he tried to heal and comfort them. But more people became sick. Disease ravished the land. People were quarantined, isolated. Many didn't survive. It became too much, and he had to isolate himself. He cried as he thought about all the unbearable things people were going through. The mental anguish racked him with sorrow. But it was his cross to bear, unquote. Now, once again, this spoiler alert is that the boy here, who is the subject matter of this video, is supposed to be Jesus. So, as we evaluate this, let's recall that they have a violin playing sadly in the background with a script unquestionably referring to Jesus, while showing pictures of other people who are not Jesus yet we are supposed to assume somehow that they are. As we listen, we are confronted with an outright fabrication and error. For example, Jesus, the, quote, kind-hearted boy who always tried to do what is right, unquote, I'm sorry, error and fabrication, Jesus did not quote-unquote try. Jesus did and does a thing, and it is always right, because as God, Jesus can do nothing else, period. Next, quote, whenever he saw someone suffering, he tried to heal and comfort them, but more people became sick, unquote. Well, wrong again. If and when it was Jesus' will, he did not quote-unquote try. He, in fact, healed. The same is true with comfort. Then he gets us ads, quote, but more people became sick, unquote. I'm sorry, but your script editor needs to be fired. Your use of the conjunction, quote-unquote, but, grammatically creates the inference that the people becoming sick became sick despite Jesus' healing or that Jesus was lacking in resources and ability. Uh, the truth is that he gets us is attempting to incorrectly juxtapose the issues of the Corona-19 virus, which arguably had its fair share of detriment due to the poor choices of both government and humans, and that of the historical Jesus. The comparison to Jesus here is again slanted and out of context. Jesus did heal, and he did show compassion and grief. But let's recall that the reason Jesus healed was to demonstrate his deity as God. His title as the, quote, great physician, unquote, was not because he healed many people or raised the dead. 
His title and purpose in all these matters was to communicate that all mankind has a 100% lethal disease called sin. The only cure for this disease, which is 100% effective, is by God's grace to repent and to confess Jesus as being God and to worship him as Lord. And do you notice that this central message is missing from every video, from every description, from every detail of He Gets Us? You know, since this is ostensibly a homage and time and effort being committed to Jesus as the central figure of such importance, wouldn't you think that the people who are really supposedly enamored and in respect of him would think to actually include those things which Jesus thought were critical, like sin, repentance, and salvation? Why do we instead have issues that are important to man, but have absolutely no bearing on eternity? In conclusion, yes, Jesus felt heartbreak, too. What he gets us fails to deal with is this. What good does it do to identify with, comfort, heal, and mourn with people if after all is said and done, we never bother to inform the people in question that even with all the sympathy, empathy, understanding, bonding, comforting, and healing in the world, that unless God deals with the sin and separation in our lives via the atoning work of Christ on the cross, then we are eternally lost, and the sickness, sadness, grief, and loss of this world due to sin are the least of our problems. This is just one of many video and dialogue memes presented by He Gets Us, which I will be looking at and discussing. For the time being, this concludes this episode. Please join me for the next. Now, if you have any questions about God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I encourage you to send me an email at pastor underscore Yeshua at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R underscore Y-E-S-H-U-A at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Trust